in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news Bill Russell passed away yesterday at 88 years old. He's an 11-time NBA champion, won five MVPs. Did you know he also won two titles as a head coach? Player I coach. Did, but I forgot until I read it yeah. again. Yeah. But I had I had known that. You yeah. can Okay, Bill Russell's Wikipedia is unbelievably long. Uh, you could pretty much just go there and just scroll to a random paragraph and probably learn something new you never knew about right. Bill Russell. Like... The guy's incredible. Like, it's yeah. an unbelievable, like, history of everything he's done on and off the field. Wasn't he, like, most... Didn't he have, like, a blog? Like, didn't he have, like, a Substack blog that he was just randomly writing things at over the last couple of years? Yeah, him and him and Kareem probably are the two most influential figures as far as, like, societal figures to come out of basketball in that era. and In any era, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually that's that's fair too. But yeah, he he was incredibly intelligent. And one of my favorite uh, quotes from his autobiography was, uh, "I didn't play for the people of Boston. The people of Boston broke into my house every couple months. I played for the Celtics." <laughs> <laughs> he had like th in the course of like two years, he had like thirteen break-ins to his house, and he lived in a neighborhood that had. 0% reported crime. They literally just were like, we're going to go break into Bill Russell's house. Bill Russell. Go read, we should just read his Wikipedia page for a segment. Yeah. That'd be a good segment. We could do that like every Tuesday. I, I do enjoy the, we are doing a segment called reading. Yeah. 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 But if it's interesting reading, then it's good. Reading can be good for you. Like this sentence, Russell went to Auerbach and demanded a $100,001 salary, which he promptly received. Why do you get 101? Uh, why do you ask for that one extra dollar? Because Wilt Chamberlain had just gotten a hundred thousand dollar salary. <laughs> Guy's great. That's what I would do. Go demand one dollar more than Wilt Chamberlain. That's such a. Uh, that is also such a like. I kind of wish athletes would still do that. So instead of like Pat Patrick Mahomes doesn't want like he doesn't want a five hundred million dollar contract. He just wants one dollar more than whatever Kyler Murray. Yeah, got. exactly. DK Metcalf got. I don't know if it was one dollar or hundred dollars more than uh, Debo Samuel, and they had a meme on uh, Twitter yesterday of DK Metcalf <laughs> jumping around because it was literally like it was like fifty nine point two to fifty nine point one. It's pretty it's, funny. I think it was South Florida when they joined uh, the Big East or whatever it was before it fell apart when they still had football. I think they like expanded their football student section to like 951 student seats so that because they could be the biggest in the conference in the by conference. one seat. It's just a folding chair on right. top, of, on top one, of I'm like, where'd that one seat come from? They There's one fan one. in the press box who's just like, I'm, <laughs> this is really awkward. Man, you know, that's a great question. The unlimited transfer portal rule is unlikely. Oh. to pass this week, according to The Athletic. So there was a Division One council that was recommending allowing all college athletes to transfer without sitting out as many times as they wanted, as long as they were academically eligible. But the board of directors for Division One in the NCAA is not expected to agree and make that official. Now, I'm going to read. Here's your reading segment, Jared, from The Athletic. Presidents on both the Transformation Committee and Board 
have expressed concerns regarding the possibility of unlimited transfers, sources said. There's also been a great deal of pushback from football and men's basketball coaches who believe it will make it nearly impossible to manage rosters. So here's my question. The coaches complain because they don't want to have to do more work, but the presidents have expressed concerns. What concerns do the presidents have? I mean, I think they're just listening to their coaches. So the only cons- the only reason our coaches to not give players unlimited transfers is because coaches are Whining complaining coaches. it's going to make their job yeah, harder. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's all this is. This story the athletic wrote. There was nothing to follow up on what the other concerns were. It was right. just coaches think coaches. it'll be hard to manage rosters, which I mean, yeah, everybody complains when their job gets harder than it was before. I get that from that standpoint, but not at the expense of kids not being able to go to a school they want to go to or transfer to. I just, I don't know. It seems like a bunch of people complaining because, well, this is not the way it's always been. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to have to work. Coaches, get off my lawn. I don't want to have to work. Right. And like, it's just, I don't know. It's strange to me. And with the one-time transfer portal, you're already having to do that. Would it really be that much different? Because that's the other part. There's going to be a low percentage of kids that transfer like three and four times. Like this, it's just not uh, going right. to happen. It's not going to be a hundred thousand kids, no. right? No. Yeah, a bunch of kids are going to transfer once, no doubt right. about it. Because yeah, I went to a school, and this is not what I thought my I first play year more. of college basketball was going to be, or whatever sport they're playing. But you're not. I mean, like David Jenkins, right? playing for like four colleges. I think he's going, what is he going to Illinois this season, right? South Dakota State, UNLV, Utah, Illinois. David Jenkins is the rare guy. Right. He's not, that's not the norm for the guy to just keep going and going and going. Most guys are going to play at like two schools and that'll be that. Am I the only one, if I was a coach, I would genuinely be going to guys going like, look, just come for a year, get your stats up, then you can transfer somewhere else. Well, <laughs> Hell, I'll put together the videotapes and we'll send them to we'll send them to the SEC. That's basically John Calipari with the NBA. Right. That's basically like I don't his. understand why you wouldn't be going yeah. after guys where you're like, look, I need four wide receivers. You're gonna get catches. <laughs> yeah. And then you can go and I'll get four more. Yeah. I mean that's that should I mean, if you're you know, UNLV essentially, that should be your like genuine approach to transfers. I'm out. <laughs> All right. Is Max Scherzer I know he's insane, but is Max Scherzer like actually insane? Because he gave this he quote. Might be. He, he tried might be. out PitchCom, uh, the way that catchers tell the pitchers yep. now what pitch Do to throw headset. with the little speaker in their hat. Uh, and Max Scherzer did not like it. His quote after the game, stealing signs is part of the game. For me, I've always taken pride in having a complex system of signs and having that advantage over other pitchers. Is he like such a competitor that he's like, well... I've got the most complex signs in the game. Nobody's stealing my signs, so why do we need this pitch com crap? Well, and if I'm, let's say, Kershaw in the dugout, I'm like, why do I care how many signs that guy has? What do you mean advantage <laughs> over other pitchers? Well, I think I mean, he's saying that like other teams could... It's easier for other teams to steal everybody else's signs, but his signs, but his are, signs so are so complex, complex that you can't that steal nobody's them. decoding his signs. And so he has an advantage because his team might steal the opponent uh, opposing pitcher's signs while his are never going to be broken. Yeah, he's that nuts. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he is he's too. that nuts. I and I hope I wish we had a quote from some other team that was like, "Oh, we we know his sequence. We know exactly yeah. what he's like." I wish we had that just to be like, "Oh, your signs aren't that complex." 
And see, I was going to say, and then you got guys like you, Darvish, who they literally tell you what they're going to throw right before <laughs> they throw it every single time. And, uh, hey, you got to hit it. All these guys can chuck the football. We can use the whole field. We're going to bomb it, and we're going to do all of those things we love doing. And uh, we'll just see how, you know, how the competition plays itself out. But uh, Gino's, gonna, Gino's in the lead right now. Debo Samuel oh. signed an extension with the 49ers. Three years, $71.6 million. $55 million is guaranteed. Uh, by the way, Debo Samuel, like DK Metcalf, was holding in because you can't hold out or else you get fined $50,000. And like Darren Waller? So you, well, no, no. Darren Waller's participating. Debo Samuel was apparently showing up, but not practicing. Okay. So he was at the facility but wasn't taking part in practice because we, okay. <clears throat> Normally in the past, a lot of times guys will hold out and there will be sort of a monetary punishment for that holdout. But in the past teams would waive all the fines. Once they signed the guy, right. they would say, okay, we can't signed do that you. anymore. So, yeah. You, the guy gets fined $50,000. So the workaround is you hold in, which means you show up, which means you're not getting fined, but you just don't do anything. You don't practice. And that that allows teams to not fine you while you're still not participating. I don't know how it's going to work for everybody, but that's now the current workaround for holdouts, for guys okay. that want new contracts. So Waller, though, is he's uh, he, he missed practice yesterday, and we don't know why. Maybe a vet day. But we'll see. if he, I mean, if he's out there today, then everything's good. But to this point, he said, I'm playing. Yeah, he's come out and said that, like a couple times, my agent's going to take care of that, but I'm playing this season, which we've talked about. Probably not the smartest move for his wallet, right. but that's what Darren Waller's doing. He's certainly not holding out, unless he changed his mind. That would be funny if he changed his mind and he's now holding in and just isn't at practice. Like he's in the like you guys see him walk into the facility, but he's not yeah. actually on the field practicing. But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe he looked around and said, "Oh, that's what Debo and DK did. Well, I'm going to do that too. Yeah. Uh, it's a great idea. I can't get fined." That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> All right. This was a report from Zach Lowe. According to multiple NBA insiders, Kevin Durant is, quote, not wired to sit out the season. If he's not willing to sit out, the Nets just keep him, right? Well, especially with four, season, four years left on his deal. Yeah. If you're the Nets, do you simply not trade him? And kind of hope that you start winning to start yeah, the season. I don't know. Depending on what they were going to get, I don't know if they were going to trade him anyway yeah. with four years left on his deal. And hope that, hey, we're off to a 20-4 and four start. Yep. Uh, you want to stick around? We can win a title. And Kevin Durant looks around and says, yeah, we can win a title. Let's let's do this. Like, if I'm the Nets, I think that's probably my plan. If you know that Kevin Durant's not going to say, obviously, if Kevin Durant's willing to miss games, then you've got a completely different scenario. But if you know Kevin Durant's going to show up and Kevin Durant's going to play and you're going to get, you know, full effort Kevin Durant, not, you know, James Harden in a fat suit Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, you're going to get full effort Kevin Durant. Then I, if you're the Nets, you only yeah. trade him if you get blown away. What did they ask for? Carl Anthony Towns and um, uh, who else did they ask? Was it who else did they asked for from the Timberwolves? I'm drawing a blank. And, uh, not Andrew Wiggins. He's no, a, not Andrew Wiggins. He's not on that team. Anthony Edwards. Um, completely lost. Uh, who is there? So, like, is that what you do? You just say, hey, if you're going to give us two stars, awesome. Otherwise, nope. We're just going to keep him and hope that we win. I think that's probably I mean, I'd the plan. keep him right now anyway with four years left yeah. on his deal. 
What do you think? Mariner center fielder Julio Rodriguez was placed on the IL. He was hit on the hand in Saturday's game. His x-rays were negative, but he had swelling. Ed, the Mariners yesterday had like uh, three hi. guys injured. Okay. They called up a guy from double A and a guy from triple A. The guy from double A was not on the 40 man roster. It was his major league debut. He started in center field or in right field because the guy they called up from triple A couldn't get to the game in time. The guy they called up from triple A got there in the fifth inning and they subbed him in immediately. So the guy from double A got one at bat, played in the field for a few innings and was immediately taken out once the guy from triple A got there. But their triple A team was too far away, so they couldn't get anybody from triple A to the game in time yesterday. Did you hear about James Outman? Oh, I saw him bat yesterday, and I okay. was like, who the hell is this okay. guy for the Dodgers? Long hair guy, hockey yeah. hair guy. I was like, I... I he got he got uh, told at 1 a.m. to get ready, you're coming up. He ran to the ballpark, slept for two hours, ran to the ballpark, which I don't know why he'd think anything was open, because he had an 11 a.m. flight, couldn't get in the ballpark to get his bats and his infra- and his and his gear and everything from minor leagues. Uh, somehow got a hold of someone, got in there, uh, got to Coors Field, three hits, homer, double, single, triple away from the cycle. I love James Outman. I love him more than Bellinger, and he's a lefty too. Yes. Is he? Why, why was he called up? Injuries? Yes, injuries. So, so he's going back down yeah. soon well, is what you're telling me? In the post-game interview, she, she's interviewing him. He's like, look, I just want to do enough to stay. <laughs> so I think he had it in his mind that this is probably a one- or two-day thing. So they can uh, trade Cody Bellinger, right? You got Bellinger and Maxi. Thirty hours. Who are you trading him for? I don't Max know. Muncy. Maxi. You gonna trade Max Muncy away? Is he still hitting? Under I 200? would trade him before Bellinger. Oh That's, wow! Well, because of Bellinger's defense in center field. Oh, yeah. look at you prioritizing yeah. defense over there. Yeah, darn right. Is Bellinger over hitting over two hundred? Yeah, two hundred six. Oh, did he have a good game yesterday? Had a hit in an RBI. That might have knocked him up from 199 to 206. Yeah, had a hit in an RBI. He's Look over 200. That. Look at that. Maxie's Munce, still... not, right? He's like 180. Nah, Maxi Muncy is still like 150s. Oh, boy. Jesus. Yeah. 150? Yeah. yeah. And they said, Dave Roberts said, well, the lead's so big in the division, you know, we think Max is going to break out of it. It's like, okay, buddy, you're 100 games in. I don't think this guy's breaking out of it. Find hey, James out, find James Outman some find more playing time. James dumb. Outman. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Raiders because... Where's Chandler Jones? About two months ago, somebody said, man, you really remind me of Nick Cage. Before I could get offended, they were like, no, no, it's a huge compliment. I find him very attractive. I had thought about doing it, but the night before, I didn't have my beater, my top. I was going to meet up with Alan Lazard and have a conversation about kind of expectations and focus, what we wanted to work on together going into training camp. And I said, hey, by the way, I said, this is going to be a weird question, but do you have any beater tank tops? He's like, that's a weird question, and answer is no. I said, well, you know, if you're out and about and you want to pick one up, you could bring one by. So he brought one by. Yeah, was I was still on the fence. It was a schmedium for sure. I was still on the fence, but I woke up in the morning. I said, ah, screw it. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, Aaron Rodgers better not make me think he's funny now. No. Do you saw he, his, th- he thinks he's funny. You I saw, saw his quote of yeah. uh, making fun of Devontae Adams, right? When he got oh, asked sure. about going to Alan Lazard as yeah. number one wide receiver, he's yeah. like, well, when you go from Hall of Fame. Yeah. Which is hilarious that when Devontae Adams just had to explain why he accidentally right. called Darren, Derek Carr a Hall of Famer. Like, it's, that's hilarious. Like, I, we can't do that, Aaron. I've had enough of Aaron Rodgers, and now if you start making me laugh, yeah. I'm going to be disappointed in myself. So let's just cut me. He's now, like, happy that, you know. 
he got his con, he got what he wanted in Green Bay, so now he can actually be funny with the media instead of being weird to everybody. I don't know. He's weird. Don't do that to me. All right. Is this a big deal? Chandler Jones has missed three practices yeah. in a row. I think it's a big deal. We More than just injury or could just be injury? Assuming it's injury. Because they do they have to give an injury report for this preseason game against the Jags? I am not sure about that. I'm on we've it. Asked, we've asked uh, Josh McDaniels, and he's talked around every injury they have. Because the guys are no, working hard. Right. There's no injury report during training camp right now. No, you get nothing in training yeah, camp except I, that they're working hard. I don't know the rules about preseason games if you have to give out an injury report. No idea on that. But so it could be an injury that he's just not talking about because he doesn't have to talk about it. So whatever. Why would you just willingly say, hey, Chandler Jones did blank or hurt blank? But it is interesting because Chandler Jones not being there. Plus, Kyler Fackrell, his season's already over. Kyler Fackrell was potentially going to be the number three edge rusher on this team behind Crosby and Jones. Uh, he He's out. His season is done. Um, Clee Farrell... Is he gonna uh, make the team? He's out. Um, he walked. He limped off three or four days ago, and he's missed three straight. I think. And as he's well. he's he's missed three straight. So this is my question on the Raiders: How fragile is their defense? I mean, right now, I think it's really fragile. And I don't. And I don't mean that question from a standpoint of how how likely are they to all get hurt. I mean that from a standpoint of how basically how thin is their path to having an average defense? Because if you look at the Raiders' defense right now. They are supposed to be really good at the edge rusher position, right? Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. They've got two good edge rushers. Outside of that, are there any other Pro Bowl-level players on the team? Like, Denzel Perryman was a Pro Bowler last year. So, yes, Denzel Perryman is there. But, like, are there any other legitimately, like, oh, yeah, that guy's really good on this defense? I don't know about Pro Bowler, but I think Trayvon Morrig's pretty good. You think so? I think he's pretty good. If you sort of go through each, year. if you go through each position group, right, the linebackers, you're kind of hoping, hey, uh, this is they, they can be an average group of linebackers. The interior defensive line, you're kind of that's hoping, where you have some issues. You have a big room, but you're getting some injuries there, right? And you have and some issues. Are any of those guys actually good? Is right. the other question. But you're just sort of, I think, hoping, hey, the interior defensive linemen are going to be average defensive linemen this year. And then in the secondary, right, there's a little bit more upside probably because there's some youth between Trayvon Mullen and Trayvon Morg. But at the end of the day, you're kind of hoping for just an average secondary, right? Like, I don't think you're expecting that to be... Well, it's a Rocky Sen and Anthony Everett. Right. You're not expecting, like, oh, that's going to be a great secondary, but you're sort of hoping, hey, they can be average. And all of that might work if Crosby and Chandler Jones are awesome. If right. Crosby and Chandler Jones are, like, best edge-rushing duo in the league... They can be average everywhere else because edge rusher is the most important position on the defense. If you've got legitimately good edge rushers, the rest of you, the holes mm-hmm. on your defense will look a lot smaller. And that's why I say how fragile are they? Because what happens if Chandler Jones misses like six games and it's just Crosby out there with who knows? Cleveland Furl is the other edge rusher or something like that. It, it feels to me like their plan defensively to try to get to average falls apart really quickly. Because as soon as one of those guys are out, the holes become a lot bigger. Well, we've seen Clee Farrell. That's all you need to say. Yeah. We've seen Clee Farrell. So been Chandler great. Jones is out there in trouble. Yeah. And so that's, I think, the curious part about this defense is they need those two to be great, and then they need everybody else to just be average. Uh, average to maybe above average. 
But how many guys do you think can be above average? Perrin and Perrin. Um, maybe Divine Diablo. Maybe. Maybe. Is he, is he going to be the he, other linebacker next to Perryman? He'll be the other linebacker. Jayon Brown, Diablo, and Perryman. Yeah. So I, yeah, and, and that's sort of, but even then, like, if they're slightly above average, you're still not a good defense unless Crosby and Jones are, are terrific. Awesome. And one of them gets hurt. What happens? And uh, and honestly, it's not just injury. Like Chandler Jones is what? 32. Yeah. There. We've talked to some PFF guys who are like, he's been great rushing the passer. His run defense has fallen off. What happens if his pass rushing ability starts to fall off this year? What happens if he goes from being a top, whatever he was 20 pass rusher last year to, uh Oh, he's now the 55th best pass rusher. Like he's not bad, but he's not one of the elite of the game anymore. Then all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's Max Crosby and a bunch of guys we hope are average. And it's that's that's gonna be a really bad defense. Okay, so according to the NFL injury uh report policy, the each individual club is not required until the week before the start of the season to produce an actual okay. injury report. Right. But the in the game initiative, which is I guess a part of something that has to do with the integrity of the game says they encourage teams to be forthright with their injury reporting policy during the preseason. Well, so we know how that's going to go. We're not going to get, we're not getting any, we're not getting anything. (laughs) No level of encouragement is going to lead to that. So basically what that means is we're not going to get a Chandler Jones update update. until, or a Clee Farrell update, right? Until either they come back or, what did you say? One week before the season starts? Yes, a week before yeah. the season starts. So, uh, well, you know, if they're out a week before the season starts, right, massive, they're really in right. trouble. So, presumably, Chandler Jones comes back, and it's a uh, hey, uh, yeah, I was out with a uh, you know foot injury or whatever, whatever it is, and and now I'm back and good to go. That so that's probably when we get the update. But it's just, I don't know. It's the NFL is the one sport. Well, the NBA does it too, so maybe I shouldn't say one. But the NFL is the main sport where, like, they produce the injury reports. It's on a very consistent schedule. It's relatively detailed, right? Like, it's not they, they give you some I mean, pretty good detail on it. You can uh, get fined if you don't do a right. right. And they, do, and they do, do a lot. One. Didn't the Rams get fined during the playoffs? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. so like they're pretty good at it, but we won't have any information for either whenever he comes back and maybe even not then or until a week before the season starts. One of my favorite injury report things is for basically, I want to say 10 years straight, Tom Brady, shoulder, probable. Yes. Yeah, probable. Well, started every single time. <laughs> he was old. It hurt. No, this was when he was in his 20s. He it said was 10 years ago. That was, was no, like for 10 years. It was 10 years straight. Oh, yeah. yeah. Probably but, longer yeah, than that. Bill Belichick would probably just pass him in the hall and go, how's the, how's the shoulder? A little sore. All right, put me probable. down. I think Belichick would actually give him a little punch <laughs> in the shoulder and be like, injury report. Hurts, don't it? Yep. I think that that would be the key there is just get him to physically say ow in the in the hallway. <laughs> ow means then, probable. Right. And that puts you on. The, Meanwhile, uh, Urban Meyer's kicking his kicker and that's maybe that's where he learned it from. He's like, I got to get this guy on the injury list. Let me kick Josh Lambeau as I walk past him. All right. Coming up next, Mike Ramala joins the show. He's never seen a steak that is too gray. He once ate half a box of Cheez-Its for lunch and finished off the other half for dinner. He has eaten exactly one taco in his life. He is Mike Grillmala. Have tacos changed that much since I tried one? 
All right, Mike, where are you right now? I am outside the practice fields at uh, UNLV, peering through a gap in the fence, which is against the rules, but I am observing <laughs> the beginning of uh, football practice. Uh, are you by an ambulance? I am. There is an ambulance that is, uh, the engine is running. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we hear oh, you yeah, fine. we hear you everything. I, yeah. I am hoping the ambulance has to drive off with the sirens blaring at some point. I actually hope the ambulance driver just flips them on just to screw with you at some point in the near future. That'll be pretty fun. Um, all right. Who's the starting quarterback going to be? You learned anything from camp yet? Not really. Um, you know, they have one period of, you know, 11 on 11 stuff that's open to the media. Um, on the, the first day, you know, Doug Brumfield took, I think, four snaps during that period. Harrison Bailey took, like, I think, five snaps during that period. So you're not seeing a, a whole lot. Um, but, I mean, if you, if you ask me for a prediction, I still say it's going to be Bailey. Um, but I, I don't know if we can, I don't know if there's been any separation yet uh, in the, the five minutes that we've seen of, of training camp quarterbacking. Doesn't it have to be Bailey for all the obvious reasons of transferring from a big school? And if he wasn't it, uh, that could uh, curtail other transfers from coming if he can come from Tennessee and not even start. You and I talked about they put him third on the depth chart probably for a reason to begin camp and because they didn't want to just hand it to him. But, I mean, for all those reasons, doesn't it have to be Bailey at least to start the first game? I think so. Uh, would, you know, the – the caveat being like, hey, maybe Doug Brumfield comes in and he's healthy and he just blows you away and he's just amazing in training camp and he's just so much better that you have to play him. But, yeah, I agree. It's, I think that Bailey was probably recruited on the basis of, like, we don't have a quarterback. Come in, be the man. You didn't get to play at Tennessee, but you're, we're going to hand you the reins here. You're going to be able to show what you got. Um, not that those guarantees mean anything once you're on campus, uh, but I think that's the basis upon which he was recruited. And unless he, you know, totally, you know, stumbles in camp or is just clearly beaten out by someone, I, I got to think that's the plan internally was for Bailey to be the starter in 2022. Uh, is there a reasoning you can justify or figure out as to why there is a quarterback battle and why he wouldn't name one? Is it simply he just doesn't think anybody's earned it yet? Well, when we asked them, uh, you know, why they charted, why they slotted the, the depth chart the way they did at the end of spring practice, the Royals said that was just simply an experience thing. It was just they just ranked them based on experience. Um, and I think that I think Marcus Arroyo won. He just sees a competitive advantage to not name a quarterback until you know kickoff. Like when they play Idaho State, he wants to he wants them to be guessing probably right up until the last minute about which quarterback they're going to be facing. Uh, and then I think internally he likes the competition of, you know, Cameron Friel still thinks he's got a, a, a shot to be the starter. You know, he ended last year as a starter, and he was the Mountain West freshman of the year. So uh, he stays engaged when he's, when he's listed as a co-starter. Doug Brumfield showed some flashes. He's more engaged, you know, when he's, in the, uh, when he's still in the running and no, no winner has been determined. Um, so I think if, as I've said before, if Harrison Bailey comes in as a transfer and you name him the starter, um, in April, that's the end of the quarterback competition because he's not going to lose that job until, at least until the season begins. So I think it's just one Arroyo wants the competitive advantage against opponents, and then internally he wants those guys still battling and 
giving their all in throughout camp. There's some tweets this week. People upset that none of them made the all-conference team. Um, my answer to that was two and sixteen. Uh, if you go two and sixteen, uh, there's not a lot of uh, reasons to look at kids uh, for all-conference. Were you surprised at that? And who would you put on there? They had an all-conference guy, but they couldn't hold on to him. It was Jacoby Windman, who transferred to Michigan State in the offseason. So, I mean, they could have had representation if they could have held on to him um, as from a program standpoint. So I don't think the program has any standing complaint about that. But the players, you know, they, all, they take everything as disrespect. I, their, their answers have been pretty unison when we asked them about that at Media Day. It was basically, you know, the, the, the all-conference team at the end of the year is going to look different. We'll have some guys on that. We're not worried about it now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, if anything, it gives them maybe a little chip on the shoulder, but... I don't think, given a truth serum, I don't think any of the players would have been truly shocked to find that they weren't on that team. All right, switching to basketball real quick. How big of a deal is it that Brandon Chappelle is leaving for Texas and Kevin Kruger lost all three assistant coaches this offseason? It says something about the, the program that, you know, they basically got blindsided with all three, all three assistants leaving in one offseason, which is something they never expected to happen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of upheaval, unexpected, something they've got to figure out. And Brandon Chappelle, you know, I talked to recruits, uh, you know, throughout the process, and he's the guy, basically. Brandon Chappelle was the guy who was recruiting, you know, uh, DJ Thomas, who's their number one target uh, in any class. Brandon Chappelle was the, the guy reaching out to him. Uh, all the other recruits, you know, you know, Carlin Hartman was uh, on Tyron Lindsay, but Pretty much all the rest of them, they say Brandon Chappelle is the guy they talk to. So Kevin Kruger's probably got to, when he makes that hire to, to fill in, he's got to get someone who can handle the recruiting business, I think is probably what the priority is going to be with that hire. Uh, but, yeah, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Do you think that this becomes a program where you have to replace guys all the time, coaches and players, and that's what it becomes? Yeah. I mean, you've got to pay them. It's bottom line, you've got to pay the coaches and you've got to pay the players or they're going to go to a program that offers them more money. That's bottom line. That's all it comes down to, basically. And we saw Carlin Hartman. Uh, they, it was uh, he said, you know, when he was hired, you know, I'm, he's not going to leave unless it's a head coaching job. And then, well, an assistant coaching job opened up that offered you a lot more money. He's gone. Brandon Chappelle. Here comes Texas with a, a just a handing him a bag. To, uh, presumably, he's gone. Uh, it'll be the same with players once the NIL locks in and people get used to that and that system gets more established. I'm sure you'll see a lot of movement that way. So it's how deep are the pockets around the program? Uh, we're going to find out because that's base, that's all it comes down to. I know I'm not expecting you to have like a, a list of, of names, but it's August 1st. How realistic is it that they can actually go find a really good recruiting assistant coach in August? It's it's a, it's a it's a task. Just the timing is not great. That's why it was kind of surprising to see uh, Chappelle leave. You might have to go with something of an unorthodox hire. You may have to hire someone who's maybe not in the college game at this point. Or, you know, I think back when Dave Rice hired uh, Todd Simon away from Finley Prep to be their recruiting guy. Um, he was not a he had no college basketball experience. So you might have to get unorthodox a little bit, or maybe Kevin Kruger does have contacts somewhere, someone that he's worked with in the past, someone he's tight with at a lower level school that he can 
elevate. But yeah, it's, it's, the timing is probably going to make it um, a little more urgent, a little more difficult with the, the hiring process. Heard a rumor the other day. I won't say with who. Uh, is this true? Were you a possibility of a trade at a wedding on Saturday night where they wanted to trade someone from their table and take you from your table and you refused? I think so. Um, yeah, we're at a, a sports media wedding locally. Yes. All the all the heavy hitters from local media were there. Um, present company excluded. Um, I'm sure you guys had better things to do. But we did have a, a high sports media presence. I was wanted at several tables. Yes. But, you know, I, I'm, unlike these, these coaches and these players today, I can't be bought, you know? It's, it's, I, I follow my heart. I follow my passion. I was happy with my table, um, and I wasn't going to leave. Uh, all right. Um, Loyalty. Who, why, why were you loyal to your table? What was special about your table? You know, that was just the table that I was originally assigned with or drafted by, if you will, <laughs> to continue that analogy. Um, and, you know, they developed me throughout the wedding, and we just we went through it all together, and I bonded with them, and that's where I wanted to finish out my, my career, if you will. Uh, did you eat the food or just the cake? I tried uh, some of the food. It wasn't real. It was a pretty... Um, it, the, the food was plain enough. They had some uh, mashed potatoes, which I tried. They had some pasta, which was okay. And then, I mean, it was good in case the, the wedding, in case the bride and groom are listening. <laughs> the food was amazing. Okay, um, but the cake was I think you went back for thirds. I think you're okay on them not listening right now. <laughs> I think you, I think, I think we're covered there. But I, You know, I just want to cover all my bases. I'm trying not to offend. <laughs> I want to be invited to, you know, the next big Las Vegas sports media wedding as well, so. Everything was amazing. I, I'm a guy who's going to stay at his table. I'm not going to make waves. I'm going to dance. <laughs> I'm going to be pleasant. I'm going to be sociable. Invite me to all your weddings. What? Okay. What did you not eat though? Like what was on your plate or what was there that you did refuse to eat? They had something called chicken medallions, which I didn't know that chicken came in medallion form. So I I passed on that. And then there was like a. a during the or, the cocktail hour, they passing around four divorces that uh, hors d'oeuvres that were, uh, <laughs> but it was like, what well, well, I can't remember. It was like some kind of avocado. No, but it was, it was like spread across some kind of toasted bread or something, and I avocado it didn't look toast? it didn't look appealing to me, so I passed on that as well. Yeah, yeah. You always got to struggle with that avocado toast. Uh, well, okay, hold on. Yeah. You like chicken. What was wrong with the chicken medallions? Did you get afraid of the word medallions? Yeah, the word. And then the cut, you know, it was in like a, a chafing dish. And it was like these little, small, you know, like a little piece of it. And it was circular. And I've just never seen chicken presented in that shape or in that fashion before. And it just turned me off, like. Give me like a full chicken cutlet or something that I like recognize. Don't don't ask. Don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to chicken. Do you eat chicken nuggets? No. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I eat chicken. I eat chicken tenders. Okay. It's just... kind of the same thing, but just. Well, they're made a little differently. Okay. All right. You're weird. I don't understand that. The there's only you'll eat chicken, but only certain types of chickens, not the nuggets and not the medallions. All right. He's Mike Kerbala from the Las Vegas Sun. Enjoy football practice. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Heard a yeah. whistle on the way out there. Heard a uh, 
It was it was a rumor. I, I'm not going to say who he was being traded for, um, <laughs> but uh, there was one table with a bunch of media, and they looked over, and I think they only saw two people at Grimala's table. Grimala and someone else were like, oh, this is an easy swap. He's going to want to come over here and talk to people and you know catch up. And uh, so they that presented. Does not him. sound like something Mike Grimala would enjoy, but yeah, all right. They presented him with the trade and said, "We really want to move on uh, from here. So, what about you coming here?" And he he turned down the trade. Wow, wedding yeah. trade deadline. I also heard he danced into the night. Oh, I bet he did. Yeah, it's what you do when you go to weddings. Yeah. Gotta Are you dance. not a dancer? No, you dance into the night. I get that, but Michael, uh, he's odd in so many ways that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't didn't realize he would dance. He's not going to eat your chicken medallions, and he's going to dance. And he's going to dance into the night. Mike Ramallah. All right, we got tickets to give away. Two tickets to 70 Brew Oktoberfest, four day festival coming September 29th through October 2nd at the Orleans. You can buy tickets at Orleans.com, by the way. Buy one ticket and get one free with code BEER22 or. Win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is our phone number. You win two tickets to 70 Brew Oktoberfest at the Orleans coming in late September, early October. We'll take caller number seven at 702-364-1100. You'll win two tickets to 70 Brew Oktoberfest. Going on the pitch, a swing and a fly ball, center field deep. Going back is Grisham at the track, at the wall, that's gone. Carlos Correa to straightaway center field here at Petco Park. That's the swing we needed to see from C4. It's an eighth inning two-run homer, and the Twins now have a 4-1 lead. Strikeouts. For the... And Alvarez rockets one deep to right field. That sends back Lewis looking up. See you later! Carlos Alvarez goes deep for the 30th time this year. And the Astros' lead is 6 nothing. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Drew on Twitter says the only reason the other tables wanted to trade for Mike Gramala is because they knew he wouldn't eat 90% of his plate, so it'd be fair game. That's promising future considerations. Also, if we're doing uh, quick texts about other things, Space Jam was texted to me as a basketball movie. Ah, I haven't seen either one. Okay, Uh, They're good advertisements for... uh, you know, shoes and I got one one on one with I believe Robbie Benson. I think you're making up basketball movies over there. Oh no, not, no, 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 no! I, I looked don't even know up who I, Robbie Benson is. Hold on, I looked up the way back. Sounds like a NASCAR this, driver. This movie sounds, dear God, depressing. Like he's an alcoholic drug addict whose son died of cancer. Now he's a basketball coach, and he's gonna get fired because he won't stop drinking. Right. No, it's one on one with Robbie Benson <laughs> from 1977. Yeah. That's what I got tweeted. Someone tweeted it to no me. No way, this movie's actually good. Not watching that one. <laughs> I'm just declaring it bad off the top. Um, all right, the MLB trade deadline is tomorrow, uh, August 2nd. Oh yeah, did I get the TV fixed? Do you believe Juan Soto is going to be traded? I don't. No. Not at okay. not at this not at this stage. I don't think he's going to be traded. And I'll tell you what, with two, what's he got? Two years left on his deal. Yep. I'd wait till the off season to move him. Uh, the reports have been the Padres and Cardinals are considered the front runners to land Juan Soto if he moves at this deadline, but I'm with you. I don't believe the trade actually happens. I think Juan Soto's a national for the rest of this season, and then maybe in the offseason. Maybe in the offseason in the winter at the winter meetings. Or they decide to pay him more and say, yep, let's keep Juan Soto around. So let me ask you this. What are the Dodgers going to do at the deadline? What do they need? They better get a pitcher. They better get a starting pitcher. Got Haney going tonight. They need one that badly for the postseason, though. 
I think they do. I told you, they're the best team between April and, and September, and October they fail because of their pitching. DeGrom's coming back. You have Scherzer and DeGrom at that, at that top of that rotation. Yeah, DeGrom's coming back. but We'll see, we'll see how he looks that, Tuesday. You think that we'll guy's pitching Tuesday. more than two, well, guys, two we'll times see. this season? So, okay, what would the Dodgers' starting rotation be in the postseason? Is it somebody's hurt at the moment? But what it would be? You well, have, Bueller's hurt. You'd have Kershaw Gons, in the, in Kershaw? the four men, four rotate, Gonsolin, four uh, rotation. Gonsolin, Kershaw, Anderson, and Urias. And Urias. And then if Bueller comes back and is good, <sighs> is he he's supposed to come back? Right? Maybe they said maybe September. Okay. So, but he would conceivably replace Anderson. Anderson. Okay. That's not bad. Like obviously that's it's not. not that's not like oh dominant starting pitching, but like. Gonsolin and Anderson have both been great this year. They've been great, but Gonsolin has not been great his last two outings, and I'm telling you, he is going to fly over his career innings if he hasn't already. Oh, that could, yeah. That and could I'm be telling you, if you're talking what two months more of the season, he's going to. I think he's already over his career innings. He's fly, career innings. I, he's flying over. So, you know, he hasn't been good since the All Star break and two starts. He got the win yesterday. Um, it was horrible the first game. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they have the good. I don't think they have good enough starting pitching, and I mean, they, everyone's and everyone's hurting the bullpen. By the way, maybe they'll get Bauer back. <laughs> yeah, I think he's suspended this year. They'd have to acquire him for next season, maybe the year after that. Even um, okay. How oh, they actually suspend people in that sport? Yes, they do for more than six games. Um, so, are you disappointed then that the Dodgers did not yes. trade for Luis Castillo yeah. because the Mariners went out and got Luis Castillo, who he and Frankie Montas are the best starting pitchers on the market. Uh, the A's still haven't moved Frankie Montas. Potentially, he does get moved here. But the Mariners gave up a pretty significant haul. right? I think it was three of their top 10 prospects went to Cincinnati for Luis Castillo. And they get Luis Castillo for this season, and then he's under team control for the next season right. as well. So it's a year and a half, basically, of Luis Castillo. So you're upset. Do you want... The Dodgers to go get Frankie Montes. Yes, I do want him to get okay. Frankie Montes. And that would make that would that would make you okay. Just don't trade away the kid yesterday. He went three for four <laughs> with the home run. That's exactly when you need to trade him. <laughs> that, that is when you trade him. That's what the announcer said. They yes. said, "Well, if there's scouts here, right? That's ex- <laughs> exactly. That is when you trade. Who are they playing yesterday? They played the Rockies. Do the Rockies have anybody on the trade block? Like, surely there were scouts there looking at I Rockies mean, players. Like, that's when you trade the guy. Chris Bryant has to." Has got to be on the trade block, right? <laughs> he wanted to go there and lose. That does sound like him. Wanted to live in Colorado and win Make a lot games of money. A year. And yeah. That's what it's going to be. I'm interested to see if the Red Sox and Giants actually are sellers at the deadline because both are kind of in a situation where if they had a hot three weeks, they're in a playoff spot. But. Both are in a situation where it's going to take a hot three weeks just to get into a what are the best spot. base? What does the best team in baseball do? The Astros? Yeah. Um, probably something stupid like trade away one of their starting pitchers. Ooh, trade for Carlos Correa. They could use a guy like that. <laughs> they could. They could use Correa. But uh, they've been... Here's the thing. The Astros have... They're, they're using a six-man rotation right now, and none of the guys are actually, like, bad. The worst guy had a seven-inning shutout yesterday. And Lance McCullers, who's probably their second or third best pitcher, is making hopefully his final rehab start in AAA today. So that would give them seven starters. They're potentially going to trade one of those starters for either prospects or an actual hitter to put in their lineup.